please leave me a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Thank you. If this is if this is a podcast about death and dying, um, try not to do that. <laughs> Today's episode is with Mark Rivard, an artist, an entrepreneur, an educator. It's kind of a fun episode. We do a bunch of different styles. We do a little mashup, some live music. We have a little bit of a debate, uh, which is kind of neat. Uh, he tells a cool story about how he almost died skiing. It's a good interview. It's a personal one. He talks about his own experience with losing people to suicide, and it's a good interview. So listen up. <laughs> or not. Of course you should. That's why I make this. It's great. If you don't like it, um, then, you know, have it be like pickles. Sometimes you don't like pickles. It doesn't mean... You can still recommend pickles to people who you know like pickles. So, you know, let's promote this pickle of a podcast to all of your picky personal friends that perpetually provide paternalistic plans to pick up your passions. All right, here's the theme. and the stuff, so I'm front-loading it. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, it actually says a long intro. Mark Rivard is a fine artist, a fine educator, and a fine entrepreneur. Har, har, har. How did he get to this triad of accomplishments? Well, he blew out his knee skiing, which ended his life as a ski bum, but started his life as an artist, where in his convalescence, he drew the Minneapolis skyline on the back of a skateboard and found that people dug it became an artist, and lived happily ever after. Psych! Though that would have been a fine life, he didn't stop there. In 2007, Sharpie, the marker people, did a feature of him on their website, where, uh, on their website and while, while he could have just taken that compliment and appreciated the exposure, <clears throat> he pitched them the idea of using artists as sponsors in the same way that athletic companies use athletes. Sharpie liked the idea and created the Sharpie Squad, a selected group of artists that promoted the product. Cool, are we done yet? No. This led Sharpie uh, to asking Mark to be part of It Starts With Sharpie, the ad campaign, which further launched Mark as an artist. Sweet, he did it. The story is done. Of course it's not. This led to being invited to a school for a little art demo in which uh, Mark found a new vocation in teaching kids art and this takes place in the form of Rivard Art Education Program, or the Rivard Art Education Program, which has expanded globally. Insert massive applause. <laughs> Are we done yet? Of course not. 
Most recently, he's taken the idea of experiential education and piloted a small but intense program called Stage, wherein high, school wherein high schoolers team up with some fine dining restaurants. Is it just one or multiple? Uh, multiple, yeah. Okay. yeah multiple. Uh, learn to cook, and in the end, they take over the restaurant for a night and debut a menu that they created. He, is also, he also has a website slash brand called Do, Do Rad Things, wherein he sells merch. The theme I've been hitting you over the head with is that Mark takes an opportunity, then adds to it. This dude is driven, and that is what I, as someone who is not driven, am most curious about. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Do you consider yourself driven? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say so. I think, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to, not to think of it in that in that sense i've always just loved looking at people like you and just like wondering how you think the rest of the world is <laughs> like <laughs> like how, how you because it must be confusing for you when you see people that are just kind of spinning their wheels and uh not so tenaciously tackling every opportunity <laughs> It was me basically just emailing them constantly. I was probably super annoying. I just kept trying, really. I was like, this, there's, there's something here. This is a, you know, this is definitely some sort of like endorsement value to this. And eventually they started kind of listening and, you know, and things started snowballing. And before you know it, you're in commercials and things like that. So it was cool. What yeah. would be an example of an idea? Well, like right now with uh, with Stodge Culinary, we're in kind of a fundraising phase right now where we're trying to raise money. My mind will be swimming at 3 a.m. and I'm just constantly thinking about who could I email, who, what do I, you know, how do I pitch this? A lot of it is like ideas that I'm sending to, you know, different companies and stuff like that. Like uh, I did a partnership with a project with U.S. Bank. Knowing what I was doing locally with students and things like that, they said, could we have uh, a program with you? We did a project at the YMCA in North Minneapolis where we brought like a hundred some skateboards to the kids there. Light bulb moment, they started talking about how do we teach finance? But it's so, it's just not cool. Like how do you make that fucking cool? But then, uh, you know, enter Stage Culinary and I have this idea, like this is an email I just sent uh, yesterday. But let's say US Bank plugs a bank account with $20,000. Um, we have a debit card that is the Stodge Culinary debit card. So then the kids are going to manage that account. So that's, yeah, that's kind of one idea that, that it's like, how do we make, how do we teach finance? Well, yeah, I'll preface this by saying none of this has, you know, I haven't got the yes or anything from that. None of this is actually happening. This is just a, just a concept I have in my head. Just a concept that he has in his head. That means this doesn't exist yet. This is a hypothetical. This is how hard he works it's on, on, on ideas. Let a thousand, let a hundred flowers bloom, as I believe it was Chairman Mao said before he plucked all those blooming flowers. But this isn't a business podcast, nor a Chinese history podcast, so we're going to get back to what I do, which is talk to people about emotions and shit like that. Uh, we were talking about, I, I think I asked you about um, if you've been touched with or you know, by death or something like that. And mm -hmm. you said, mental health is not an excuse, but it's real. I disagree with overly feeding prescriptions and the obnoxiously loose diagnosis of you name it, mental health disorders. Mm -hmm. Being sad isn't a disease, it's human. That said, depression and such, oh wait, that said depression and such, very real. Death is a very real symptom. Um, you know, I, I've experienced a lot of suicide in my life for sure. Um, very close 
friends and family. And, you know, like in my opinion, like especially with kids, I mean, I just see us just every single kid's got this diagnosis, that diagnosis. It's like, they're just kids. Let them be, you know, like just it's some people are more hyper than others. And I'm sure that I would be diagnosed like ADD, not, not ADHD, but ADD if I was ever like properly diagnosed, which I never will be. I don't care. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I, that's not an excuse for anything. You still have to live your life. I don't know. It's really interesting. But uh, th- that last line about, you know, d- death being a symptom, it, it, it certainly is. Obviously, I think suicide is a symptom of, of very difficult mental health. Obviously, I don't think anybody, anybody in a good place just decides one day to go ahead and commit suicide. So, um, yeah, it's a strange it's a strange and, and tough conversation, I think, but it's also, I think we need to be a little harder on ourselves in a way. Yeah. Do you believe in um, <clears throat> in free will? Yeah, absolutely. And in what sense? I mean, in, in what way are you, because I think you could, you could kind of say free will in a lot of different contexts. What I, what I like about the question of free will is, it kind of forces someone to acknowledge the actual mechanisms of of the world. Mm-hmm. No, this sounds so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you what do you what do you think about free will? What, what do you think about people who are um, un, less ambitious, um, um, maybe self indulgent in their own um, in their own problems in life? Yeah, yeah. Um, I. It's, I think everybody just, just deals and copes with everything differently, you know? Um, but free will, I think, is absolutely 100% a thing, in my opinion. I mean, free will is like, in, if I were to de- define it or give it, you know, I, I, I look at that as kind of like you, everybody has the ability to kind of make the choices in their life that are going to lead to certain things, right? Like anybody can do anything in this world. And I believe that. Like I, there's a, you know, I, I said this to these kids one day. I was like, you know, no matter what, nobody, nobody gets to determine how smart you can be. You know, that's up to you. And I think that's free will. Like you have the ability, it doesn't matter what you got on that test. It doesn't matter, you know, how many, what your grades are. Um, it doesn't matter what, where you're from, what color your skin is. You have the ability to be as smart as you want to be. And that's free will, in my opinion. Like you, you have that ability. So there's a lot of hurdles. There's going to be a lot of things that are always going to kind of get in your way. Um, mental health being certainly one of them. Um, but we do have the ability to kind of alter how we want to live and what, you know, what people are going to think of us or remember us as or, or what we want to do in our lives. So, um, you have the ability, you always do. Um, and that's, in my opinion is free will. So I think free will is a strong thing. I think it's really, you know, when you, when you, when you think of it like that, like I don't have to live in this, if you're in a position where you're not happy with something or you're sad or whatever, or you're not happy with your, your position in life or whatever it is, like you do have the ability to change that. And that's, you know, I believe that, like, I think everybody has that opportunity. Mm -hmm. What about people who, um, don't, (laughs) what about people who who are just, they don't have as much energy as you people who, uh, who have, have to work too much and they're exhausted and then their health suffers and then yeah. they're they're just kind of stuck. Yeah. No, it, it's cuz they didn't really have sure. the option. Yeah. Well, you 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 kind of if that and if that's the case it's just sort of it's about making changes, you know. I think 
you, you have to kind of analyze yourself a little bit too and kind of step outside the box and look back at yourself and go, okay, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? If I want to change, if I want to be different, what, what do I have to do differently in my life to, to do that? You know, what would that mean? What kind of sacrifice does that take? What does, mm-hmm. you know, what does that look like for me to actually make that change? Um, yeah. which is easier said than done by, you know, I'm not saying that this is easy or that it's like something that anybody can just snap out of. I don't believe that. I don't believe mental health is something that you can just snap your fingers and, and change, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, I do think it starts with the, you know, with the, with the person being able to say, I can, I can change, you know, I can do something differently here. So. I just think it's weird because there's so many miserable people <laughs> and misery is not fun. And no. if, if you had the capacity to change and, um, you know, quit the, the job that's making you miserable or save up so that you can buy a car so you don't have to work the job that's making you miserable, mm-hmm. I just feel like that's what would happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I yeah, I, and everybody's different, you know. I mean, you can't really. It's it's really difficult to try and tell somebody like, oh, it, it's easy. You should just do this or just do that. You know, it's not. You know, that's such a hard thing to to get that point across to somebody. You know, I mean, we've all had a friend or a family member or somebody that we we just want to shake that person and say, snap out of it. You know, yeah. like you can. All you got to do is this. It's it's super simple, and I understand that that is not that simple. Um, um, personally, you know, I, I I deal with my own demons and. Have you certainly have had my my days, my weeks, my months, even where it's like I don't even want to get out of bed, you know? Like that, it's that's a very real thing, and it's 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 it kind of boils down to the person. I think you know some people are are mm. capable. To me, it's like I got to do something, I got to do something crazy in order to like snap out of that, you know? Like yeah. I have to, I have to, I have to do a project or start a business or do something that that really kind of. Um, it's, it gives me an adrenaline rush in a way, you know? Well, to snap out of it implies that that's not where you should be, which kind of fits in with this fear you have of, um, is there a longer word for the term stagnant, stagnicity? Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of people live live like that. There, There is, the sad reality is that... Um, all in all, life is meaningless, <laughs> and that our accomplishments <laughs> were done to amuse ourselves in this finite time. Yeah. Uh, so, are you? Are you? What makes you scared about th- that life without focus? I don't know. You sitting in bed because <laughs> you sitting in bed for a month, kind of losing everything. You still are a human that yeah. has worth. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But what I- what scares you about that? About stagnicity, um, yeah, everything, man. I, I, I can't. When I'm stagnant, that's when I'm going down. A, a, that's when the darkness creeps in. You know what I mean? So I constantly stay moving. I'm constantly staying busy, and um, you know, I always just feel like I can do better. You can always, you know, there's always more to it. There's more, you know, there's more to see. There's more to do. There's always something else that can be done. You know, so um, stagnicity is a. Uh, is a tough thing. Like sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes you got, you have to kind of take a break, but at the same time, like I think that if you're comfortable with being stagnant, that's a problem. I don't think, you know, I don't think a lot of really, really successful people ever stay stagnant on anything. Mm. You know what I mean? Assuming success is good. Assuming it is. Yeah. Right? Because the majority of the world isn't 
necessarily successful. So I hope it's not a good thing. Right, right. So that the um, the the plebeians underfoot <laughs> don't have meaningless life. You said uh, you flirted with death a few times. Do you have any cool death stories? <laughs> what, 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 what were they? Oh, yeah, I've got a lot. Yeah, I mean, from just crashes and things like that on my skis to, you know, um, you know, going into the, the mental health stuff, I mean, for sure. There is, oh, well, the, the, day that I, the day that I took a 1,000-foot tumble down the side of a mountain, I was definitely thinking about it more than a few times when I was rolling down the side of the rocks, but... <laughs> Mark had just split up with his girlfriend, but Art was picking up and he had just gotten into a show in Chelsea in New York City. And then... Uh, February 9th, 2009, I was skiing and took... I, I, I was up there, I was on top of a mountain with a bunch of friends, um, all very accomplished skiers. Everybody knows what they're doing. And I dropped in first. Three turns in, I hit some really bad snow and double ejected both skis and started to tumble. And it hadn't snowed in weeks, and I was on, you know, very at the really at the top of the mountain. And so the snow was super hard and icy, and I just started sliding. And I went over the roll and, you know, went into the pitch of the cliffs and stuff and, and ended up tumbling about a thousand feet. I, as I went off, I was on my stomach sliding into this cliff, and I tried to front flip off the cliff so that I would land on my back. And I got about halfway around and I landed kind of the back of my head and my shoulders. And I cleared the rock section by like a matter of inches. Mark hurt his vertebrae, bad. But just two weeks later, he went to New York City for an art show, his art show. In this surreal mix of discomfort and success, he got a phone call. His best friend had just killed himself. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know what... what what he was going through, um, I just feel that because of your injury, if I was like super depressed and suicidal, that would make me hold on for a little bit longer mm -hmm. just to like, do you think he felt kind of like abandoned or like you were moving on anyway? No, I think um, his situation at the time was, was he was in some trouble. And I think he, you know, I think he was afraid of what was going to happen to him legally and, um, you know, I think he just sort of, no one really knows. I mean, it was a shock. It was just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I never would have saw that from this person and, uh, you know, could never in a million years imagine that happening. And um, I think it was a moment of panic for him. Really, I do. I think he just, I think he needed, he was on the run and I think he was in, in a lot of trouble and it just, you know, just didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, yeah, yeah, it was a brutal one though. It, it sucked. It is. It was a really shitty thing, and it was, you know, these like really horrible places. I think that you get to sometimes, and then it's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be. Uh, this isn't. This this can't define me. You know what I mean? Like I can't let this be my story. Like, and I think that's where. I wish you could tell that to somebody when they're on that, right on the cusp of making that decision. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't how you want your story to end. You know what I mean? So, 
and I, you know, I've always been irritated by the fact that we ask and myself included guilty is charged, but like that you, you're always so curious, how did somebody die or what yeah. happened? I mean, I have a podcast about it basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, t- to be honest, I, yeah. I have a podcast called your eulogy yeah. to, because thinking about death is sensational. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's, it's, and I try to do it with some dignity mm-hmm. <laughs> to respect people um, and yeah. respect the nature of it, but it's still at the end of the day. Yeah. It's like this thing is a universal thing that stimulates someone, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's why I do it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would imagine that so much of our lives is driven by the fact that we are going to die, and everybody knows that. You know, um, which, by the way, sidetrack. I hope you keep the name your eulogy. I saw your post about uh, about changing the name of your podcast. Mm-hmm. I think your eulogy is fantastic. It's Good. it I'll evokes it. a lot of uh, a lot of thought. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's just kind of hard to say. Yeah, your eulogy. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> and that's a wonderful segue. For Mark's eulogy, we did an experimental one, a little bit of um, role playing. Mr. Mark, Mr. Mark, oh, how, why'd you die? How'd you die? <laughs> uh, plane crash. <laughs> plane crash. I knew you couldn't fly a plane. Are you sad that you're dead? Nah, I'm, I'm all good. I'm pretty happy with the things I've done. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Too bad you didn't become a pilot. Yeah, that would have been helpful. <laughs> What, was everyone sad at your funeral? Uh, no, I think they were pretty pretty happy, pretty stoked. Not happy that I was gone, but I think they were all smiles and laughs. Yeah. What's what's heaven like? Are you in heaven? Oh, are you in? Where are you? <laughs> I have no idea. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I don't think it's heaven. <laughs> but <laughs> wherever I'm at, it's cool. I'm happy. <laughs> Why are you happy? Ah, I had fun. Definitely had fun. Right up until that plane crash, everything was, was going good. <laughs> what What do you think I should do? I think you should uh, figure out what you love. What do you, what do you love to do? What are you passionate about? And then f- follow that and figure, you know, go down that road and wherever it leads you, that, that'll be a pretty cool thing. All right, well, I guess we can't talk for long because you, you're in another, like, place or whatever, but what do you have left? What, 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 what can you tell us now that you're dead and, and we don't know anything about that? Huh, interesting. I don't know. It, uh, I think it's, um, it's, it's kind of like living in, under the water, you know? It's like uh, that, that life we, we can't imagine because it's unobtainable. We can't live under the water, but... Um, it's kind of cool. Now I get to, to do that. So <laughs> You're a fish? I'm a fish. <laughs> yeah. I'm swimming around the Great Barrier Reef, and it's fascinating. It's a whole new world. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back to playing. I, I want to play Minecraft before my mom comes home. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> and so thank you to Mark Rivard for coming on and giving me his time and experience. If you want to check him out, Mark Rivard is his name. It comes up on basic search, but you can also go to markrivardart.com. Or if you're interested in all of his educational opportunities and, uh, and programs, uh, they are at rivardarteducation.com. 
that's all I got for you. So write in your eulogy mail at gmail.com. Thank you very much. I will see you later. Thank you.